is two girls, one ghost. Two girls, one ghost. And I know you're in your closet, but that blanket looks so incredibly comfy that it's very soft. Yeah. I just want to like cuddle up with you. I have a little fort. I don't know if you can see this, but this is also a HVAC duct right next to me. Oh. And these are the things in my closet. Thank you Welcome. for the closet tour. <laughs> yeah, it, this is it. I could turn you around and you'd see an attempt of two other blankets put together to create a fort because I'm not allowed to put furniture or rugs down for a few days because <laughs> of the flooring project. So echoes galore. This reminds me, though, of early days of the podcast where we would create little forts to forts. record in for sound quality because we had the like cheapy microphones. Horrible microphones. But yeah, now I have my little fort. This is even softer. Look at this. Oh one. my gosh. You should give I us know. a blanket tour. My goodness. This is from Berkshire Blanket, designed in New England. And it's wow. soft as hell. That looks nice. Yeah. I want to start today, this Encounters episode, with a little bit of a teaser because Corinne and I just recorded our very first Patreon-only bonus episode, which is a full-length mm -hmm. episode of Two Girls, One Ghost for everyone on Patreon. And we came up with this idea that I'm so excited about. So I got this book called The Case of the Glamorous Ghost, which is a Perry Mason murder mystery. Perry Mason, I guess there was a show. So I just looked. You can find this episode oh. on Apple TV. But we're going to read the book on Patreon. Yeah, and it stemmed from Sabrina reading just the back cover, and I was like, when was this written? The 1950s? And it, it was. It was. It was. It's very 1950s, and it's kind of funny. I'll read the, the first page, which is just the like. Okay, great. Sexy spook startles spooners. That was the headline in the paper Perry Mason was reading. Now why, he wondered, would a beautiful girl wander semi-nude into a lover's lane? I'd certainly like to investigate that ghost, he said deadpan. Wouldn't you? She should have committed some crime. Don't bewail your luck so soon, said Della Street. The half-sister of that glamorous ghost is waiting impatiently to see you. <laughs> and there was, the back cover was all about like, you get the information about the men and their names, but the, the woman was just called the brunette. <laughs> so oh, yeah. Do you want me to read it to you? Sure. Get out, screamed the brunette as Perry Mason pushed his way into her apartment. Get out or I'll call the police, Mason asked. A gun glittered in her hand. I'll do something more effective than that, Mr. Mason. And then what will you tell the police? I'll tell them that you tried to attack me and I'll make it stick. But before Perry Mason finished with her, the violent brunette became a most important witness in a tingling courtroom drama. I want on my headstone it to say... The violent brunette. <laughs> <laughs> Thighs that could crush your head. The thigh crusher. <laughs> the original memory foam getting in all the cracks. <laughs> we were very unhinged in that Patreon special. Perverts galore. <laughs> two girls, two perverts. Two perverts. What has happened to us? It's always been inside us. We're just unleashing it now. That's what she said. <laughs> that was good. This is an Encounters episode. So unless you guys have written anything perverted, this will generally be specific to ghosts. But we actually do. This is a good call to action. One, join us on Patreon if you want to hear more about the glamorous ghost and what happens to her. 
the violent brunette. And then two, if you do have perverted sexy ghost stories, we want them. We want to read them. We want to yeah. see them in our inbox. This is an urgent call to action because we said we would do a little sexy time ghost storytelling. Yeah. So if you have one in your back pocket, you better sit down in the next three days and send it to us, okay? Sit down right now. Sit down. Write it. Shit your butt down. If you're driving, do speech to text in your notes and then send it to us later. Everyone out there, everyone poops. You got to do something (laughs) while you're on the toilet. Type an email to us. We don't know where you are. If you have enough time to type an email while you poop, I do suggest that you talk to a doctor, take more fiber. You might have hemorrhoids. Prevent anal fissures. Okay? (laughs) Try your best. Listen, some of us are constipated here. Dude, you're telling me. Their name is Sabrina. This is probably TMI, but I definitely had like a bout of constipation when I was a child. And I had like a little anal fissure. My mom would have to put... With a Q-tip, she'd have to take Vaseline and, like, put it in my bubble. Oh, (laughs) no. I was very young, but I remember. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, you don't forget something like that. You don't. Yeah. This is a terrible transition, but why not? (laughs) (laughs) This is from our listener, Autumn, and it's called, That One Time a Demon Tried to Feast on My Coworker's Body. (laughs) What the fuck? Is everyone okay? We'll find out. Happy New Year's, ghostesses. Happy New Year. Another year with you both, and I'm so grateful for you two and the wonderful community you've created. At the end of 2023, you asked us to collect ghost stories from our friends and family, and oh, baby, I am delivering. I'm so happy that that you actually followed through and you listened to us, and our call to action didn't fall on deaf ears, you know? Like, you guys just... You're pulling through. And now you're being rewarded by us reading your email. Okay, here are a few tales from others I've talked to and one tale from me. Here goes. I work in the French Quarter, shout out to Ghost Penises, at the Omni Royal Orleans Hotel in New Orleans. It's the second Otis Hotel and has quite the macabre history of being one of the biggest slave exchanges in New Orleans back in the day. One of my coworkers, who I will call Calhoun, who has worked there for close to 20 years, was telling me a few chilling stories about the hotel. I'll start with the least scary and work my way up to the most scary. Great. Calhoun has had to work through multiple hurricane seasons where when a hurricane hits and takes out the power grid, the hotel runs on a generator that's only enough to keep minimal lights on and AC running and kitchen equipment running to make food. A major hurricane hit the area and he signed on to stay at the hotel and help wherever needed. He went down to the barely lit stone room in the hotel basement was stocking up on ingredients for the kitchen when he looked to his left and saw an older man lifting boxes from the ground up onto a shelf about four feet high. Calhoun tried to speak to him and asked who he was and if he needed help with the boxes. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, the man turned, looked at Calhoun, and suddenly vanished. Wow, I hope I don't have to work like that in my (laughs) afterlife. (laughs) I know. The next story from Calhoun was when he was actually staying in one of the hotel rooms after a long hurricane recovery shift. He was sitting on the bed, reading various verses from the Bible when he heard the shower turn on from the bathroom. He put the Bible down, got up to see what had turned on the shower, and turned the water off. There was nothing or no one else in the hotel room, so he was confused, but just wrote it off and went back to reading. 
A few minutes later, again, the shower knob is turned to full blast. He gets up to do the same thing, turn it off, and go back to reading. This time, when he gets back to his bed, the Bible has disappeared. Excuse me? He starts looking all over the room and finds it perfectly placed underneath the bed. He picks it up, starts reading it again, when an unknown force aggressively pulls it out of his hands and throws it across the room. Oh my god. This next story is from a different coworker who I will call Jamie. Jamie was telling me how she grew up in the lower ninth ward where she lived in a dilapidated shotgun house. From a young age, she would experience sleep paralysis, lucid dreams, and shadow people. One of the sleep paralysis experiences she told me absolutely shook me. Jamie had one of her cousins over for a sleepover, and they had a fun night, and they went to sleep in the same bed together. She fell asleep on her back, but with her head tilted to the right, looking at her cousin, so like that. She woke up in the exact same position when she noticed her cousin was also awake, but the cousin's expression was different. Her eyes were glowing red, and her cousin had a wide grin. No, no. (laughs) This is so freaky. Jamie said she reached over and asked her if she's okay when the cousin revealed a mouth full of sharp, pointy teeth, which she used to bite and sink into Jamie's arm. Jamie jumped up from the bed and started running out of her room with her cousin, who turned into a demon at this point and started chasing her. Jamie was running around the house as fast as she could, but the demon caught her, grabbed her, and was literally ripping her limb from limb, feasting on her body. Jamie said she sprung awake, but could feel the pain of what had felt like a real experience. And now I will end with a lighter story to maybe lift some spirits. My fiance and I went to a wedding in Charlottesville this past fall. He used to live there and we absolutely loved the area and we want to move back soon. But we were walking around the streets of Charlottesville at night before going bar hopping when we came upon an old Victorian house for sale. It was beautiful, had a nice yard. And my fiance says, wow, look at this house. I want to buy this house. To which I replied, it looks haunted. (laughs) two very different instincts about the house haunted is still beautiful not even five seconds later the street light that was above us went out i got a weird (laughs) feeling and i look back and i realized that it's the only street light that was out in the entire long street oh confirmation we go to the bars and we're walking back to our airbnb around 1 a.m when we come upon the same house the street light is the only light out until We both walk under it. It goes on. What in the world? It's calling to them. I think it was the house's way of saying, yes, I am haunted, but it's not a bad haunting. That has been my only real paranormal experience so far, but I'm looking forward to future hauntings. Good ones only, please. Thanks for reading. I can't wait to see what 2024 brings you, lovely ladies. You deserve all the best. All my love. Autumn. You didn't buy the haunted house? Maybe it's a sign that like, when they do start looking to move that house will be available again and they buy it. Oh, I just got chills thinking about it. Whew, I don't know. That'd be kind of fun. We'll visit. We'll come stay. Yeah. Invite us over. We're inviting ourselves. We promise to bring two of your moving boxes inside and then 
put our feet up and then just enjoy enjoy the hauntings and then regale you with haunting stories and make your house even Um, more haunted yeah we'll bring the equipment we'll just set up the REM pod and all that our two pieces of equipment that we have we'll bring our cat balls and our REM pod and hardly know how to use (laughs) oh my gosh I like that I hate the dream I am glad it was a dream yeah we read a story recently where it was like a aunt babysitting her nephew and they both had nightmares of one another and I'm Mm -hmm. just curious in moments like that where you have such a vivid dream of someone you love and trust turning on you like if that person's also having that dream but in the reverse it reminds me of my cousin Lainey because I feel like she would have that dream about me (laughs) because she's so scared of ghosts and doesn't listen to the podcast because she's scared yeah so I feel like she associates paranormal terror with me. So if she did have a nightmare, I probably would be the one grinning at her. Fair. Ooh, yeah. that is so creepy, though. I'd have a hard time looking at my cousin after that if I experienced it. I wonder if anyone's had any nightmares of you and I like being the scary people. Because people have so many hauntings related to our podcast. But have you never heard of like Sabrina and Corinne, yeah. you tried to kill me in, your, in my dream? Oh, I hope not. Sorry. <laughs> I kind of hope so okay i want to hunt all of you bitches Uh, yeah i'm curious let us know if we're in your dreams i'll do my best to visit you in the astral plane everyone yeah my version of being in someone's dream is like when something happens they just are walking down the street and they turn and i'm just like there against a brick wall just watching not saying anything just peeking you really need to watch dream scenario dream scenario what's this we talked about it yesterday nick cage (laughs) my brain Okay. Oh, with the Nick Cage one. Yes, yeah. where he appears, the history teacher yeah. that appears in all of people's dreams. Yeah. Okay, I will. I picked two emails that are dog-themed. <gasps> Fun. I need a, a wee break <laughs> for, from the scariness. Well, we got a little bit of both then. We got a little bit of both. This is from Ty. Wait, did I tell you I found Tall? Where? Okay, everyone. Tall is a listener, like an OG listener who we saw in person at Orlando and we had like message with Tall and we remembered Tall. We had met Tall at a live show and literally like- Was it New York? It might've been. I can't But like we were at Universal and we just see this person run and turn and look at us and we immediately recognized him and we went, Tall! And we're all running to each other down like the downtown streets of Disney. But that was years ago and we're like, what's happened to Tall? And we truly couldn't find we like because we remembered Tall's Instagram handle, so we were like looking for it. And we spent a really long time. There was like one show recently yeah. on tour. We were backstage. And we were trying so hard to find Tall, and we couldn't. And we remembered we had a photo tagged with Tall, and we just couldn't find Tall. Tall has a new Instagram, and messaged us, and I like flipped a table. I was like, Tall, you're alive. <laughs> We've been looking for you for a year. <laughs> So the mystery of where Tall is, oh, we, we found thank Tall. God. You know what's funny is there's been a few people, like especially when we were doing our Campfire Stories when it mm-hmm. was live on Spotify's app previously, there mm-hmm. were a few people that were super, super active. And then once they eliminated that platform, once they some of those people eliminated just it, took it out, eliminated, took it out, terminated. <laughs> but a few of those people kind of just who were super active in the chat and stuff were not active on I other know. platforms. 
And my mom actually called me and she was like, I've been really worried about some of these people. And so she actually did some online internet stalking Mm -hmm. to find if they were okay. And they are. But she, and she called me and she was like, I found him. He's totally fine. I think he just probably is taking a break from social media. But like, it is one of those things where, you know, when we're used to seeing people engage yeah. and, and talk with stuff and we meet people and then all of a sudden it's silence. I feel like you guys have to tell us if you're taking a break from the Yeah, internet. we need to know. We do because we worry. You all need to share your locations with us and we need to be able to track <laughs> you at all times. Seriously, we really do. We're your overbearing mothers. <laughs> tell me where you are. <laughs> okay, this is called... My backyard feral dog for Sabrina. And this is a trigger warning for suicidal ideation. Hi, Sabrina. Hi, Corinne. This dog is from Riverside, California, and was living feral for two years before being scooped up by animal control. And then we have a photo of the oh, poor little I was baby. like, I like that it was just this dog. I'm like, are you talking about yourself? Like This dog. <laughs> woof, woof. <laughs> they call me the big dog over in Riverside. <laughs> That's what I was picturing. It says, and a rescue got her. She was with them for about a year, but then they thought that she could use a quieter environment, so they shipped her to my little house in the Pacific Northwest. Oh. I named her, I need help with this <laughs> name, Calliope, C-A-L-L-I-O-P-E, but we call her Callie for short, but what? how do you say the other one? Calliope. 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 Okay, but Cal- Callie for short, which I definitely know how to pronounce that. Okay, so the backstory. In September 2020, I bought a house for my beloved soulmate dog, Stella, and me, but it was only a dream for her, not for myself. So she could live out her seniorhood sunning on a lawn. So sweet. sweet. Exactly the person who should have a dog. Yes, agreed. She'd been a rescue who was going to be euthanized for being afraid of humans about a decade earlier, and she'd been the most incredible emotional support pupper, teaching my heart how to love more than I thought that I could. She died in that house in August 2021. She had cancer, and she let me know clearly the day and the time for me to call for the home visit vet. Oh, I'm disabled, and I had no income from February of 2021 on. And so although I eked things out of this house for a while after she died, I had to move out last year and sell my house before I got foreclosed on, or so I thought. This is such a hot market that 21 real estate agents called me in a single day to try to get my business. It got under contract the first weekend. Then that buyer flaked out two weeks later so that she could go to Burning Man. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> and then it just sat on the market, ready to go, cute as can be. And for a whole six months, as I tried not to kill myself with despair, mm. and I'm not kidding, but also I had chronic suicidal ideation since the age of 12. So this was the biggest challenge yet to live through, oh. not something novel. I was trying to rehome my two wonderful cats at the time as well because I thought that I'd be living in my car. I was even considering living in the woods alone in a tent because it really did feel like there was no place for me on this earth. And I would come across things all the time, like audio or writing of other people saying that they themselves felt like life didn't matter, even though they'd had all of these relationships and roles out in the world that I did not have, and they thought that they might as well off themselves. I also have to say, I feel like this is one of the dangers of the internet and the algorithm because when i was in therapy i was like 
I'm just seeing more videos that are like triggering me and like making me spiral and go deeper and deeper into like what reiterating I'm reiterating your negative thoughts. Yeah. Yes. Because you watch the whole thing and then the internet's like, this is for I'll you. Give you more. I'm going to serve you even more. I know. I'd been disabled and unable to work since July of 2018. And as a person whose trauma coping strategy was always performing well and producing massive amounts of high quality work to become disabled, I felt like the one thing that I really had that was helping me through my entire life was taken away from me. Oh my gosh. I've had a freakish amount of bad things happen to me in my life and it felt dumb and futile to stick around for more suffering. By last fall, I thought it was objectively and subjectively absurd to choose to keep on living and I just kept doing it anyway. And in January this year, I had to move back into my house since all of my funds were officially kaput. The foreclosure was going to begin in March. It's intense being disabled because there are no extra jobs that I can pick up, no hope for working harder in the future and making any more money. I'm so estranged from my abusive family, so there's no backup either other than the donations that I received from my friends. And I didn't have any local friends, so I decided to move across the country here right before the pandemic, and it really felt like the end of the road. My SSDI disability hearing was in February. And it usually takes two to three more months for them to reach a decision and then several more months for funds to begin if you're approved. All fall and winter, I'd kept having these intrusive images of where I should kill myself, like in my attic or in my crawl space. Mm. But right after I moved back in, I started having these cycles, days of emotional breakdowns followed by about six hours of incredible insight and changes into my perspective arriving fully formed in my body, in my mind, in my spirit. I've been to therapy over 30 years and nothing like this has ever happened before. Wow. These revelations would happen every couple of weeks and I wrote them all down and I don't think they'd come across as groundbreaking to anyone who hasn't lived in my head for the last 44 years, but inside they had completely changed me. On top of that, I started being given all of these things that I desperately wanted and felt like I had no way of getting on my own. For example, I was terribly lonely. I complained to someone able-bodied about it, and they said something really ableist and unrealistic. Now your friends can just all visit you. It hurt, and I was angry, having realized in one of my epiphanies that anger is one of my best motivators for writing, so I wrote a rant to share with my disability group. I'm not Disneyland, I said. People aren't going to go out of their way to visit me, and I certainly can't make friends like that. The anger made me feel on fire with eloquence, and I was proud of what I'd written. Yeah, well, a couple hours later, a writing coach that I used for one hour two years ago emailed me. She said that she had a client with a similar background as mine, and she had just moved to my town, and she didn't know anyone else. The coach asked if she could send the woman to me, and I agreed. And this woman came to my house for dinner before we'd ever spoken, and it was an immediate and easy friendship. I don't even know how or why that writing coach remembered me, much less where I lived. So I had my SSDI hearing. The judge ruled in my hearing, this almost never happens, telling me directly that he'd approve my SSDI. And I reached out to the congressman and his office was able to get me funds soon enough that I could keep my house. Wow. If I hadn't bought this house for Stella, I would have, with complete certainty, been homeless most of the last two years. Now, not only could I keep my cats, but I could get another dog too. 
so I desperately wanted another dog. I'd actually started looking last April 2022 under the perpetual hope of receiving disability funds, a long story in and of itself, and I even adopted one briefly, and it was all wrong. I got mangled, then infected. I had an allergic reaction to the antibiotics. I returned that dog, and I started looking again in April of 2023, and I saw Callie. So I emailed about her, but I didn't hear back. Most of the dogs I emailed about, I wouldn't hear back about. I understood because my house is not going to be great for most dogs. I can't walk much or reliably. I can't take them on hikes or to the beach or any of that. And they won't have a family or children or many visitors. It's just me and the two cats. And so they need to be cool with a quiet, slow, uneventful household. I was looking for a very specific type of dog, a shy and scared dog, because I usually know how to work with that energy. Mm. In May, I had a virtual meet and greet with a dog who sounded right. And then I met with her and she was clearly a dog anyone could have, a family dog. So I cried myself to sleep wondering if I should just get any old dog. I consoled myself and I told myself that I have to wait until the universe absolutely shoves one in my path. I asked my dear departed Stella to please send me a dog who I would be a good fit for if it was right. The next morning, I woke up to a text from a rescue organization asking if I was still available because they thought Callie would be perfect for me. (laughs) I love just like animal spirit like ugh. gosh i just love i know when you find your spirit animal your soul animal t- mm-hmm. too yeah and it turned out that she had been picked up in riverside in april 2022 the same month i started looking for a dog after stella's death she'd been with a foster for over a year and they hadn't had much progress with her mm-hmm. she let someone call her and then she was timid but she wouldn't let them touch her and she bit the person who put the leash on her They sent me a video of her in the house, and I recognized her body language of fear and wanting to not be seen. So I agreed to take her. Once she got here, she seemed a lot more feral than the rescue had described her to be. (laughs) And although I'm resourceful and love learning, etc., I had plenty of asking myself, what the fuck did I just do? (laughs) But then again, I am almost totally housebound by my disability, so it's kind of like I have all the time in the world to work with her. I also feel so defensive of her and her right to be wild, her right to not be a pet dog. And I kept saying to people, if she wants to be the witch who lives in the hut in my backyard, that's okay. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) She wrote that this is why she titled it like for Sabrina, this email, because she knew you would like that. (laughs) Oh, well, I did. So I literally like fist bumped in the air. Yeah. My Jersey Shore came out. (laughs) it's not literally okay because i want to be able to get her health care but other than that she's free to not like me i'm doing training with her because i want her to feel comfortable and confident even when i'm around but it's definitely more of a stewardship vibe (laughs) also sabrina i am that asshole who told you in one of the recent campfire stories that i'm on the other side of what you're doing And I'm living in the future of the trauma work that you're doing that's paying off. I felt like a total asshole the way it came out. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Wait. No. No. I remember this. This was like, well, you can speak for yourself. I felt hope (laughs) in in that conversation with you. I agree. I don't believe any two paths are the same. And I don't know what the future will hold for you, obviously. So I didn't intend to sound condescending. Rather, I was shocked after decades of therapy and lots of trauma programs in the past few years 
The result was not what I expected. I've never been a universe person or I've felt like there's any universal intervention other than near-death experience when I was 26 that I was angry to be alive after. In fact, I was raised in an Eastern religious cult. So after I got out, I was an atheist until Stella died and I could feel her loving presence so big around me. But whatever the fuck I did, (laughs) this finding myself under all the trauma, this noticing and listening to and believing myself, it's paying off. I'm in tune with myself. And also it seems like the universe likes it. (laughs) (laughs) I have no idea how your trauma work will pay off over all of these years, but I'm so proud of you for doing it and for sharing about it. It's so important. And you are such a beautiful spirit. I know it's helping others to hear about. I hope you can forgive me for the asinine way I worded my bad ideas of encouragement before. Thank you both so much for your work, your big hearts. And thank you for asking, Sabrina. Ty, she, her. Oh, Ty, I want to give you a big hug. Yes. And then we got we got a picture of the dog. Oh, so sweet. I just want to give Ty the biggest hug, like sending ghost hugs. Actually, you know what? Sending ghost hugs to everyone because you never know what people are going through. Yeah. And as you were reading what Ty was going through and the mental turmoil that she was experiencing, like, yeah, like I I could relate to that. And I, I'm really actually curious to go back and listen to a year ago podcast because I was in mm-hmm. the darkest place I think I've ever been in. And I don't even remember it. Like, like I, I remember it as like a memory, but I don't, the way I felt like it was, I held it yeah. in my body. It was a physical, it was a mental, mm-hmm. emotional feeling that I felt very hopeless and helpless. And there were times where I was like, I don't understand why would anyone choose to continue to live this life? It's so painful and so hard. And, right. and now where I am in my life, I'm like, it's so different. Mm-hmm. Those thoughts feel so foreign to me. But all that to say that I'm so glad Ty is still here and with us. And that if you are experiencing anything like this, know that you're not alone. And there are people and resources And like Ty said, everyone's journey is very different. I went to a trauma treatment that ended up like truly saving my life. But some people that doesn't work for. There are other avenues. Well, it's also really interesting that Ty was saying, you know, after decades of going to therapy and feeling really low and having still moments of feeling happy that there were just like with a move. It also makes me wonder about like the astrocartography part of Ty's chart because it sounds like after she moved and she was in a new area in Southern California, that all of a sudden the hope of her understanding herself and why she's feeling a certain way and just all of these things just started to click. And it was like the universe was kind of sending her all of these downloads and revelations. And it was just like she was in the perfect setting for her to actually like digest it and understand it and look at where it brought her. Like she's right living an amazing dog-filled, animal-filled life. Oh, It is just so interesting how like there are energies and times in our life where we feel really blocked. And then something so small, like being in a different location. Can change that. Unlocks it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, one thing that used to really, really piss me off is... Please tell us. (laughs) When like, and this is, I understand, and I've probably said it, but like, when someone's feeling really, really shitty and really, really low and another person says to them, don't worry, things will get better. Or like, everything happens for a reason. Like, 
I'm not an anger driven person or an mm -hmm. angry person. Like anger is one of those emotions that like I rarely tap into or need to tap into. But in those moments, violence is the first thing that comes into my mind. And I go, I want to punch you. <laughs> I know. It's hard because it's like most people don't know what to say yeah. back to someone who's experiencing yeah. that. And those are just some of the phrases that are cataloged in everyone's mind of how to con how to console someone 101. Yeah. And they're like, oh, shit, someone just told me something. Let me just say this. But I'm sure they probably were like, I wish I could have been there for that person in a much better way. But right. like, people are also struggling. <laughs> we're all trying to do our best for the most part. We're unless, all trying to do our best. Unless you're like a sociopath. But one thing that really, not necessarily worked for me, but was really healing for me was painting and like mm -hmm. finger painting. So I would like literally just like, I got these like canvases from Amazon and there was like a box of like 10 of them. And there were different sizes. And I would just like put blobs of paint on it. And I would just with my hands, it was so cathartic and it felt so nice. And it like, it was like a weird physical release. I just loved it. Art therapy. Yeah. Art therapy worked. But like bad art therapy. I don't think art therapy is like, I mean, it's it's meant to be whatever you want it to be, however you want to feel it in that moment. Can I tell you a secret that I've nice. never told anyone? Yeah. There was a moment where I was doing this that I was like, I really want to put my face in the paint and go like this. And I did it. Did you? I was just about to say, did you do it? Because I feel like there's no way in hell I wouldn't have done it. Oh. Just out of the curiosity. I you're alone. Like, who, who's going to see you doing it? Right. It was like nose and forehead in it. And I just went like this. And it kind of felt great. And then I just went and took a shower. It's kind of like a facial. They basically paint your face. That's so true. So what's the difference? Other than needing to wash the toxic paint <laughs> off of your skin sooner. Just don't put it in your mouth. Oh, my gosh. You're reminding me of when I had a very last-minute Halloween costume in college, and I didn't know what I would be, but suddenly I had all of the materials to be Ursula, except I didn't have body paint, so I used actual acrylic paint, painted my whole body purple, and I lasted three hours before my whole skin was burning, oh, and I had sure. to go home. You know... Everyone probably loved that costume and it was a fun memory. I think I looked wild. I don't think, you know, it was memorable. We live and we learn and sometimes we make mistakes. And maybe that was exactly when all of my health problems started. <laughs> <laughs> it all goes back to the acrylic paint you painted your body with. <sighs> People used to live in homes and still do live in homes with lead paint. So check your lead levels. I don't know how you do I that. I really thing. should have checked mine. My house is lead paint era. Oh. I just assumed other people did, the people before me. I hope they did. Maybe I'll go get a little kit. If you start to lose your mind, we know what's happening. Well, that's been happening for years. That's true. <laughs> this podcast is just the chronicles of two women going mad. Oh my gosh. This is a great segue because this next email is called Paranormal or Hallucination. Have we all lost our minds? This is from our listener Taylor. Hello, girls. I am really hoping my mom won't hear this email. LOL. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Taylor. Pronouns she, her. Doesn't matter much to me, so don't worry about it. I'm also British. Hopefully it makes sense to you. I'm only 16, but I have had many situations which I personally believe are paranormal. 
There are lots of recent experiences, but I think I should first talk about my childhood. My mother tells me often about when I was younger. The most popular stories, however, come from when I was around five years old. We live next to a graveyard, and that must have meant the area was a popular ghost hangout site. Because the first thing that happened there was that these two boys would appear in my bedroom most nights to play games. Oh, oh my gosh. Most nights? Yeah, just hanging out with the ghost boys. Actually, my mom told me that I called them the Game Boys, and they were about 16 years old. It never seemed like a bad presence until my mother heard me screaming one night and came to my room to find my blanket wrapped and tied tightly around my head, almost suffocating me. Oh, my God. This really is like having older brothers. Huh? <laughs> they try to kill you in your sleep. Yeah. The next story I was told was that my great-grandfather would also appear in my bedroom and read to me or just talk to me. I was That's able to sweet. recognize his name. I could describe him perfectly and point him out in books of photos without any labels of who he was. My mom had never talked about him to me, and I couldn't have seen him before because there weren't any photos of him on display, and he died when my mom was nine. I personally don't remember anything else, and I don't dare ask my mother for a number of reasons. I feel like there's some mom drums that I want to know. I know. <laughs> mom, who are you? What did you do? So now I'll move on to something that happened a few years ago, like five years ago. My brother, who was only one or two years old, managed to point to a photo of my recently deceased great-grandfather. He pointed to the picture and said, I know him, although he never met him. My mom's face went pale and I teared up. My mom asked, how do you know him? And my brother replied with, he was in my bed last night. He told me to tell granddad. And then he waved goodbye. We all felt sick. Whoa. My mom didn't tell my granddad until recently, and I'm hoping that my great-granddad didn't have to wait five years to finally rest. Only a few years ago, right before COVID, I was, had, and remained to be in a deep depression. Taylor, we're sending you love. <laughs> what if the Taylor, it will get better. Everything happens for a reason. <laughs> Everything happens for a reason, Taylor. <laughs> oh. oh, my God. <laughs> it was also around that time that we moved into our first owned house, and my bedroom was the attic. But it was amazing. It had so much privacy. There, unfortunately, was no heating, so it was freezing. But that's good to me because heat makes me sick. But attics are scary. And at first, all that happened was wasps. About every day for three weeks, there was one single wasp in my room. I would panic, open the window, and it would leave immediately. I'm not scared of any wasps or any bugs, unless they're green. <laughs> So just specific. Why just the green? Why the green ones? Like praying mantis green, caterpillar green? Or are you talking yeah. about those those really shiny, like neon Japanese beetle green? Oh, the like big ones? Yeah, because those can be scary. And they're so loud. Mm -hmm. So this is weird by itself. And my mother thinks that this is the start of what she calls my hallucinations. I mm. started to see a black mass out of the corner of my eye whenever I dropped my guard. I have bad eyesight, so I always assumed it was just my eyesight going blurry. My parents never got along, so they mostly lived separate. During this time, my dad had just moved into a new home. It was old and needed a lot of work. I always imagined it would be haunted by a child or an old person. It was great until we had to move in, and this is when COVID hit. So a few weeks into lockdown, I woke up during the night. I don't know what time it was, but it was still very dark outside, and I couldn't move at all. 
except my head. I could look over at the ground, and all of a sudden, there it was. That same dark mass that I had been seeing out of the corner of my eye, except this time I could see it clearly. It had no legs and very, very long arms with claws. It had no face, but I somehow knew it was looking at me. It slowly crawled over and then up my bed. It climbed on top of me and I could feel it crushing my chest and my throat. But any part of it that touched me would disappear. After around 20 minutes, it was completely gone and I fell back to sleep. When I woke up, I could remember it so vividly that I can still remember it now even after having suffered a head injury. I never had sleep paralysis before or after this. After that, I'm freaked out about the fact that every time it touched her, that part disappeared because it's like, is it crawling into her? I know. Trying to wear her as a suit. Also, I wonder if it was green. (laughs) (laughs) After that, it disappeared completely. Oh, maybe you're right. It did go inside of Taylor. Yes. But the house suddenly became more active. I would hear a woman crying. I would hear my name being called by a voice I didn't recognize. A child was singing, asking me for help opening doors for them. Finally, when we got to go home to my mom's after lockdown, I was so relieved to be with all my stuff again. But that same day, my dad took off the piece of wood blocking the crawl space in the wall. It was a dark, small area that was used for storing paint and stuff like that because the floor in there was not safe to step on or put anything on. As soon as it was open, mice started appearing in my bedroom. They would scratch and chew and play. They stole my food. I saw and heard them, but there never were any mouse droppings, scratch marks, or chew marks, and nobody else saw them. That's very interesting. This went on for the entirety of the time that I lived there, and then halfway through that time, Jeremy appeared. So a week before Jeremy appeared, I kept seeing movement in the crawl space. I would have panic attacks and text my boyfriend saying, I'm sure I was going to get murdered. Then one night when this was happening, I got a knife and shouted, who the hell are you? And slowly he crawled out. Crawled? He had to crouch because my ceiling was very short and I had to crouch. I'm 5'1". This thing was seven plus feet tall. Oh God. Are we sure Jeremy's not the same thing that crawled onto her? And into her. And then also I'm like, she was being strangled by the boys in the cemetery. Like, is this something that's followed her? Yeah. Jeremy wore a suit, a full black suit with black gloves. And the creepiest part was that it had a giant rat's head. At first I called it an it, and then he, then the rat man. And then something finally inside me told me to name it Jeremy. So that's what I did. It hardly ever gave off a bad vibe. Sometimes it would just crouch there and I'd be able to ignore it. Sometimes it would follow me to school and help me cheat. (laughs) Or it would lay down in my bed beside me or pet me or tickle my feet. (laughs) No joke, he tickled my feet. I feel like you are his pet, like this creature. He got confused. He was like, oh, I've always wanted a pet human. This one's perfect. Pet your cute little head. Yeah. It never followed me on holiday or to my dad's house, but it did follow me when I moved into the house I live in now. And he got angry that I moved. For a while, he would growl at me, grab me, scratch me, or throw stuff at me. Once again, nobody else saw it that entire time. 
When I finally told my mom about everything, she said I must have been hallucinating. She believes in ghosts and whatever, but nobody else had had experiences, so she didn't know what to do. Also, in the newer house, there's another ghost. I don't know what it is or why it's here, but it makes me incredibly uncomfortable, and once it threw a painting at me. Okay. (laughs) There's some violence This is like, yeah, this is the worst luck with the paranormal I ever did here. In a sequence of events, all of the different encounters. Me ever did once here. (laughs) I know, there's so much horror happening. There really is. I told my mom about the spirit throwing the painting at me, and she thinks it just fell, but it was on the opposite side of the room and was launched directly at me. So you tell me how that just fell. Oh, Hmm. and those mice, they followed me too. But this time in the garden. I was pointing at them like, look, mom, they're there. But she couldn't see what I could see. A third thing that I've seen in the newer house is the man on the roof. We live directly outside an abandoned building. That roof is not safe. So if someone went up there, they would most likely fall down. And there's security in the building. So if someone tried to get up there, an alarm would go off. However, I saw someone sitting on the roof in the darkness of the night. A few weeks later, it was in the parking lot. Another week or so later, I see it almost in our garden. I haven't seen it since then, but that was a couple weeks ago. So maybe I'll see it again soon, just outside Mm. of our garden. A fourth thing did not actually include me, but at around 4 a.m., my mom and dad were watching TV together when suddenly the dog started barking and growling at the wall. The dog looked up almost seven feet high. Remember how tall Jeremy was? (laughs) Wow. This is not great. This is like collecting Pokemon cards. You just always have them. Doesn't matter where you go. They're oh, all following you. So many. And it, there's like more. But it just continues. Taylor is experiencing so much. Jeez. So another thing that's happened is an overwhelming feeling of danger in my mother's room, my brother's room, and the hallway between the two, all of which are under the attic. Nobody has been up there, but I swear I've heard footsteps banging and scratching from up there like something is trying to escape. My dad was going to get the house blessed. None of us are religious, but now he's convinced that something is there and maybe it would help me, even if they are hallucinations. So I know it's extremely long already, but I have three stories, so you can cut them out if you want. No, 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 Taylor, we're reading them. This one makes me incredibly uncomfortable to write or even think about, more so (laughs) than everything else, my gosh. My entire life, I've been terrified of reflective surfaces to the point where I keep my TV covered when I'm not using it. I don't know why. One time, I was having a panic attack in my room because my window was open. I was desperately trying to get it closed, but I kept freezing up. When I finally closed the window, I accidentally looked out and saw what I can only describe as a S walker. I closed the curtain and I cried until I fell asleep. I'm extremely triggered by them now and I'm shaking while writing this because my window is open, but it's way too hot to close it. Hearing the name S walker makes me gag and usually triggers activity which is another reason my mom and now I'm starting to believe it's just hallucinations. Second story. My great-grandmother passed away this year and it was greatly devastating for my entire family. Yeah. My uncle was really, really devastated. He suddenly believed God was a woman, prayed to his mom in a different language and became obsessed with his mother's death. He had a little bit of a mental breakdown and was the one to hold her while she passed after taking care of her for months while she was fighting cancer. It hit him so hard. 
I can't even imagine what that what he's going through. After the funeral, my mom came home and could immediately smell her perfume, and she thinks it was her saying goodbye. I was given a marble egg to remember her by, and as soon as it was in my room, Jeremy and the other ghosts disappeared. I should mention that my nana slash great-grandma was a very, very strong and religious woman. I believe she removed them from me and has saved me. My mom had sleep paralysis. She woke up and couldn't move at all except for her head, exactly like me. But this time, she saw my nana in the doorway. But she had this feeling that it was not my nana. And she was scared. The thing soon moved towards her, slowly turning into a black mist before disappearing as my brother woke my mom up. I think if that mist had gotten to her like it did to me, she would have seen the same things that I had seen. That's really interesting that like the mist is triggering all of the hallucinations and those who've been touched by the mist see the things. Would she have seen the same thing is also the question or is there just something in the messaging or I don't know, are you disturbed by mice or do you have a fear of mice or is there some symbolism in the mice? Like why mice? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, mice and rats and wasps and things like that just to me for some reason i'm sure i could find why like there's probably something that planted this in my mind but do give me like a symbolism of like darkness and the things that crawl in the darkness you know yeah last story on a better note my old pet cat haunts my bedroom he appears whenever i'm stressed panicked or in a depressive episode he lays on my legs and purrs before disappearing and i can physically feel the weight of him disappear Oh, it always makes me feel better. I miss so him sweet. so much. He was basically my baby, and I'm glad he's still here. So there's a lot of evidence to say that all of these are just hallucinations, but there's also a lot to say it's paranormal, like my hearing the voices of my friends for seconds or seeing my friends in places that they aren't. I've been examined for schizophrenia because of all the things I've heard. I'm already diagnosed with autism and ADHD along with obsessive disorder and paranoia. So I don't know. I'll leave it up to you to decide which you believe it is. Thanks for reading. It's been great to get this off my chest. My head is starting to hurt, which usually means Jeremy is nearby, but I can't see or hear him. So I don't know. I hope you read this on one of your episodes. Me and my ghost cat will see you on the other side. Taylor. Well, the hallucination thing is really interesting. and I feel like it definitely is paranormal because it's also reminding me of Remember when I lived in that Beacon Hill apartment and while I was living there, I kept seeing these giant spiders? Yes. And it would be like I wouldn't even have to be in the apartment. Oh, I just got like chills. It was just like the time period of living there, no matter where I was, I would wake up in the middle of the night and there would be a giant spider on my wall or descending and coming for me. And I would be awake and screaming, bloody murder. Mm, Hate it. And it's just never happened since. So weird. Just based on how much Taylor and her family have experienced, like I am inclined to think paranormal. Right. Because it's not just Taylor either. Like the, right. everyone around her is experiencing the paranormal as well. And it is interesting. Like her family almost seems to be believers, but they believe when they've also seen the same things, mm-hmm. which I'm sure it's like a weird, it's almost, okay, great. They believe in the paranormal, but it's also isolating in the sense that like, well, those must be hallucinations. Yeah. I do think right. it's great that Taylor is getting examined for everything and I hope everything's okay. And it sounds like Nana is protecting you from the darker things. Yes. And that your ghost yes. cat is there. And you have so many good spirits on the other side waiting yeah. for you, relatives and yeah. pets. And 
all of this. So even though you're encountering some of these scarier entities and creatures that are seem to follow you from place to place, you've got a whole arsenal of parental figures and yeah. whatnot on the other side. And whatever it is, it's real for you. You're experiencing it. So that is your reality. And we're sorry. We hope that nothing... I just hate the way that like it crawled out of the same space as the mice. Like it was almost like sending the mice as a test for a little bit. It's like in Stranger Things where oh yeah, there's the the rats that go out and then the like the globs. Ugh, just all the weirdness. If you follow the mice, what would happen? I don't know some Coraline stuff. Do the mice follow you or do you? Yeah, true. Don't do that. Actually, it was a hypothetical question. <laughs> Or like an Alice in Wonderland situation. I don't know. Yeah. Hmm. Dang. My gosh. So many experiences. So I can't many. Even, I'm just like blown away by how much is happening. To Taylor's point, like it's not just happening in one place and then they move and then there's a whole new group of hauntings. It's like a collection. Like it keeps following and it's just collecting over time. Yeah. Well, <sighs> protect yourself. Hug your cats and your pets, whatever you need to do. Yeah. Yeah. How about I read in the next encounters? I'll start off with a light, the lighthearted dog story oh, that I was going to read. We can look forward to that for the okay. next week. Sounds good. I love Perfect. it. Perfect. All right. <laughs> Thank you, everyone, for joining us. And just a reminder everything will get better. Everything happens for a reason. <laughs> everything happens for a reason. Punch me. Oh. <laughs> but truly we love you all so much and we're here for you if you ever need anything and we will collect your ghost stories anytime so please email them to us even if you're on the shitter please do <laughs> oh my God. make sure to buy a big tub of vaseline and some q-tips and <laughs> join us on patreon and all of the social media platforms that we have for even more of a good time and shout out to jamie who edits our yeah. our audio and our video we love you all so much. And we will see you, see you on the other, other side. side.